You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. I hope everybody's been having a great week. Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. My name is Dan Johnson. I am your host, and today we have another Hunter Profile podcast from a gentleman named Nick Sopko, and uh, Nick is going to tell us about what we as hunters wish would happen almost every year. There's some of us out there who grind it out the entire season. We hunt early season. We hunt through the rut. We hunt late season in the freezing cold. And maybe in that period of time, we tag out. And then there's other, uh, there's others who grind it out the entire season and they don't feel their tag like I did this past year. Then there's guys like Nick who walk into the timber and lay down the biggest buck of their life the very first night that they ever hunted. So of that particular year. So I'm going to let Nick tell his story, and uh, I tell you what, some sometimes there's good seasons, sometimes there's bad seasons. I guess, I guess I should take that back, because honestly, there is no such thing as a bad hunting season. So, I think I'll just let Nick tell this story. I hope you guys enjoyed it. On the show today, we have Nick Sopko. How's it going today, Nick? It is going very well, Dan. Good, good, and uh, by the uh, looks of what happened, uh, this uh, the buck you killed that was uh, was that this year? Yep, that yep, was this it. past season, October 9th, I got him. Oh wow! Well, I tell you what, you sent me the picture, and you're like, "Hey, you mind if I?" Uh, I mean, are you still looking for people? And I look at the picture, I'm just like, "Yep, like that's a that's a giant." And just so we know, I tell you what, we're gonna wait. Bef- we're gonna wait. But before we get into this story here, what, where do you work? What do you, what do you do for a living? How old are you? That kind of stuff. I am 25 years old. Um, I work for my county's Metro parks. So I'm a park tech. I just basically kind of take care of the park um, and keep it nice. And uh, I'm in Northeast Ohio. I've lived here all my life and hunted Ohio. And uh, I'm just a whitetail addict, just like everybody else, I'm sure. Nice. Nice. So on these parks that you, uh, that you work for, are there a lot of deer? Is it, was this, was this deer in that park? This deer was not actually, (laughs) um, there are, there are a lot of, there are a lot of deer in our park. Um, we actually have, if you're a County resident, you can enter a uh, archery in the parks program, which I did actually participate in this year, but I did not kill this buck on park property. So nice. I, we have, uh, where I, 
in the county that I hunt, we have a, a city limits tag where you have to go and basically shoot five arrows at 25 yards into a paper plate and you can you get a pass that allows you to hunt inside city limits with a bow and okay if you get five then they give you an extra buck tag really so i guess for every every five does you kill and i don't know if that's changed recently to whoever kills the most does by a certain date gets a uh, extra buck tag something like that but there's guys dropping like 14 or 15 does inside the city limits every every wow. year to battle for this extra buck tag yeah this is sort of a similar idea to that basically if, if you are able to harvest a certain amount of does you get invited back um and you get to participate again and i did i did uh i got three deer on uh park property and i should be invited back next year i did actually see a couple nice bucks so that was after I shot mine, obviously, but uh, hoping for hoping for a big one next year. Gotcha. Well, it looks like you got a stud this year. Um, before we get into the story of this particular buck, why don't you tell us a little bit about what kind of ground you're hunting? Is it public ground? Is it private ground that you have permission on? What's the story there? Um, this is a public piece of property, or not public, I'm sorry, geez, private piece of property. Um, it is 80 acres. Um, it is, it's sort of outside of town. I do do a lot of urban hunting, but this is more, uh, more in farm country, but not too far from my house. Um, I've hunted this property. I actually killed my first deer on this property when I was 12 years old. So I've hunted this property since then, and it produces nice bucks. Um, we've harvested a couple decent deer. My dad has anyways. I've seen some nice bucks. But uh, they're few and far between. It's more of a there's some thick cover, but it's more of a property that the bucks cross through during the rut, um, more so than actually live on the ground. So it's it's roughly half uh, ag and half wooded. Um, it's sort of like a large hillside uh, that has a strip of woods that ends up being a good pinch point. That that wasn't where I was hunting, but there's a good pinch point up in the top part, and then there's actually uh, Long, uh, the side of the property runs along railroad tracks. So one of the property lines is actually railroad tracks, and I use the railroad tracks to access the stand that I uh, was able to kill this buck out of this year. Wow, that's. Uh, I have a couple friends who have a, a similar type situation where they use. Uh, one of them uses an electrical line, like they have. It's underground electrical line, but they have to keep it mowed in case that they need to be. There needs to be some kind of maintenance on the line, but so they keep it mowed all year round and he he can walk that and then the other one was a railroad track type scenario where he walks a trail he walks a train track probably a half a mile into and then walks right up to a stand and there's like a little crossing that they cross from this big block of timber into the uh ag field on the opposite side of the tracks and he he slaughters them every year it makes it makes for an amazing entrance because i i actually I've always been uh, the kind of hunter that I just want to be in the woods when it's deer season. In this past year, I spent a lot of time listening to Wire to Hunt podcast and your podcast, and and basically, uh, I've I've been I kind of tried to hunt smarter, not harder this year, and uh, that's that's kind of what I was doing. I ended up setting up some uh, some lock on tree stands, and I kind of changed my access routes up, and uh, as as you can see, it really worked out for me. That's that's funny you say I'm gonna I'm gonna hunt uh, smarter and not harder 
and then you tag out on October 6th. Yeah, yeah well, I was going to hunt smarter, <laughs> not harder. I, it happened quicker than I anticipated. That was the plan anyway, huh? Yeah, yeah. What uh, When does Ohio season open? It is – it kind of varies. It's usually the uh, last weekend of September. It's that Saturday. Um, it's, it's been anywhere from, I think this past season, it was September 26th, but it's anywhere from September 26th to, uh, like October 1st, just whenever, wherever it falls. Gotcha. Right. So how do you, you're kind of, uh, what kind of hunter would you say you are? Are are you looking for a, do you have a hit list that you put together before every year or are you kind of uh hey I just go in the woods and and hunt the first mature buck that comes by or are you uh maybe it's a brown it's down type of hunter when I first started um bow hunting I was trying to hold out for the big one I wanted my first buck to be a nice one and uh a couple mishaps and and uh, not being able to find deer later I uh, ended up dropping my standards, and I ended up harvesting uh, a couple smaller bucks a couple years in a row. And kind of since then, I've I've built up what I like to harvest. So at this point, I'm I like to shoot at least a, a three and a half year old buck. I'm looking for something in the 125 inch range generally. Um, I do run trail cameras, uh, but like I said, on this property in particular that I harvested this buck on. Um, I was running trail cameras there like crazy and I never, I actually, this year I only ended up getting one mature buck on camera there all year, even after I harvested this year. Um, so it was, it was grim up until, uh, up until I saw this deer. It was, it was grim up until bow season actually. So, so the, the summer before the season started, were you getting trail camera pictures of this buck at all? No, I have, I have, as far as I know, I have zero history with this deer. I do, I mean, I have some, I have, I have previous bucks on camera that are nice bucks, but I've looked back through them since then, and I have nothing that looks real similar to this guy. So it's hard telling. I mean, I may, but as far as I can tell, I, I don't think I do. All right. So are you running trail cameras a lot in the summertime to try to get, uh, like, take an inventory? Yep, I uh, I usually get them out June, July. I, I, whenever I feel the antler development's long far enough to where I can really start telling what bucks are what. Um, we had a couple a couple decent looking bucks on the property that should be nice ones for this year, but it was just nothing I was I was looking to shoot. Um, so I I run cameras a lot, and and besides this property, I do hunt a lot of different urban properties. Um, so. I run cameras all over, but I, in all honesty, I really didn't have many good bucks anywhere. So. Okay. So aside from running trail cameras, do you have any other preparation that you do before the season starts? Um, well, this year was a little bit different for me, actually. I, uh, I had finished up school last December and I got a nine to five job in a sales department in an office. And, uh, I was, I was really bumming because I didn't think I was going to be able have a lot of time to get out in the tree stand after work. So I started, uh, buying lock-on stands. So I had all these lock-on stands stocked up, lock-on stands and 20 foot sticks. And, uh, needless to say, I ended up quitting that job and took the job uh, with the <laughs> county park 
where I now get off work at 3.30 every day, so I was going to have more time to get out. But uh, anyways, I, I had all these stands to put up, so I ended up putting stands in a couple places that uh, were really nice spots on the property that I've always liked previously. Um, but but I kind of rethought my access, like I had said earlier, and uh, basically only kind of put the stands on the outskirts of the property. I didn't want to intrude this year. That's one of the things I was trying to do differently. So I had set up, set up a couple tree stands, um, and one was near a tree that I, we always refer to as the scarred tree because I've, I used to always hunt out of a climbing tree stand, and I have climbed that tree so many times that the bark is pretty much completely gone. So I, uh, I put one tree stand near that and then another tree stand up in the uh, pinch point, which would be uh, north of where the uh, bottom stand is. So how does this how does this particular property lay? Is it a is it a rectangle or is it a square or or what? It's kind of uh it's kind of a U shape. Um basically the road borders the west side and that would be the base of your U. There's a wider portion of woods there and then basically there's two fingers coming up. There's a finger along the uh southern portion that goes along the train tracks. And then there's another finger going kind of through the middle of the property almost. And above the, above the finger of woods, there's probably a 10-acre field. And in the middle of the two fingers, there's a 30-acre cornfield. And actually, the uh, property owner does some fish farming. So there's three ponds there as well. Okay. So where does the most of the activity – you said you were going to kind of – just hunt the outskirts for starters and wait to jump in until maybe it was just a little bit better time. But where does most of the activity or where does most of the sign take place on this farm? Um, I guess the portion that runs along the tracks has always kind of uh, historically been my favorite. I've seen a lot of nice deer crossing through there. It's almost like a low-lying swampy area. It does flood a little bit in the spring, but then it, it stays fairly dry throughout the rest of the year. Um, and I've always liked that area, but it's been kind of cool to see and also kind of stinks because the property's really matured as I've been hunting it. Um, it was, when we first started hunting it years and years ago, um, it was a lot of really thick, good bedding, stuff like that. And since then, I mean, even from us, just like, uh, trimming out tree stands, trying to, trying to thin some of the brush out around our stands places we like to sit it's really uh the big trees have really gotten a lot bigger and there's a lot less thick stuff so i i do like the bottom area where it's, it's still fairly thick down in the swampy area um and then like i had said there there is a good pinch point too uh in the other strip of woods basically it, it connects to a larger chunk of woods that the property owner does somebody else owns but the deer especially during the rut run through that pinch quite a bit um, so that's a good spot as well, as well. Okay. So, so other than, you know, run trail cameras and, and, uh, put together a little bit of a game plan, did you have any other bucks on this property that kind of, that, that you knew about before the season started that you said, Hey, if this buck shows up, he's going to get an arrow. Not that I had on camera or anything. We um when actually when we went in to hang the two stands that that we ended up hanging, um we jumped a pretty good looking I think it was an eight point I don't know we didn't get a great look at it but we jumped a decent looking eight point and that was basically all I was going off but 
like I had said, there occasionally there's just like a straggler buck that roams through there just to get from one point to another. So it was kind of a high high hopes type deal more so than uh, going in for a particular buck. What about some of these other urban properties that you that you hunt? Are we talking like people's backyards or like subdivisions with maybe a valley in between the houses? Um, explain that. Um, essentially anything. In all honesty, any any place I can find that has a couple acres of woods, I will happily hunt it. And I we actually have at the house that I currently own. We have five acres that butts up to uh to maybe 60 acres of woods and we had a couple nice bucks back there it's, it's really i i do the majority of my hunting is actually urban hunting anymore because it seems like so many people hunt in the country that they're killing all the deer and nobody hunts in the city and there's big bucks running everywhere so i tend to uh i tend to spend a lot of my time time hunting urban stuff um as far as i mean woodlots that back up to uh to allotments i mean any anywhere i can get in we we just over the years i mean talking to different people and neighbors and whatnot that sort of thing we've just uh kind of weaseled our way into a few different properties um that have have been pretty good to us over the years just been, like knocking on doors and asking for permission yeah um some of that uh more so just like uh friends of friends type yeah. deal yeah. Um, where somebody says, Oh, you know, those deer are eating your flowers. I know this guy and he hunts deer and we'd get in there or, or different stuff like that. Okay. All right. So, you know, this, <laughs> I, I'm trying to sit here and think of all these questions to ask you, but when you kill a deer that you've never seen before on the first week of the hunting season, it's like <laughs> you'd really, you're really stretching the story. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It's, 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 I like to say, I'd like to tell you, I have 10,000 pictures of them and I hunted them for five years and in the whole deal, but I, I can't do that. I'm afraid. I, that's okay. I tell you what, I don't know one hunter that would pass a, a shooter, what they would consider a shooter buck just because they've never seen them before. Yep. I agree. I agree with that. It would be a difficult pass for sure. So let's explain to me this stand location again in as much detail as you can and why you have you know before this deer you know walked by and you shot it on october 6th you put this stand location up and you said it was it's right off the railroad tracks right so it's easy access is there any any other any other feature or terrain on this uh, property that had you saying you know this is a good spot um, it, it's close to basically there's the property line and then train tracks and then a river. And then there's actually like a, uh, I don't want to call it a hunting club cause it's not, but it's like, um, there's a rifle range. It's like a sportsman's club type deal. They fish and do other stuff, but there's absolutely no hunting over there. And that's where the thick stuff is. And I always have a feeling that deer are coming in and out of there like crazy. And I'm about as close as I can get to that as far as the way I think the, to catch the deer coming in and out of it, I kind of set up in between where they're coming from and going to, or tried to anyways, with, with remaining on the property. So basically the stand faces east and it's facing, 
into the woods. And as I'm looking into the woods, it's the woods is narrowing down. The cornfield is maybe 70 yards to the left of the stand, if you're sitting in it. And then behind me is just more brush. That's kind of where it comes into the base of the U. It's a big wide. That's the widest portion of the woods. And it's probably a half a mile wide if you walk across it. It's a, it's a big chunk of woods. Um, and to the right of the stand is train tracks, and they're maybe 60 yards away. Okay. All right. So how many times did you go out hunting on this property before October 6th? I had been there one time. Okay. Um, and, and that was simply because it was the first day of bow season, and I haven't missed the first day of bow season in, I think, 12 years. Okay. So we went out, my fiance and I, and in the tree that I ended up putting the tree stand in, it's a great big uh, maple tree, and it's sort of like almost a narrow uh, V or a Y, I guess. Um, basically, great giant base, and it splits. So what I did is put the ladder up one one trunk and put the stand in the other trunk and then I could get into that stand and then hook my muddy lock on onto the other tree and hop over in there and she could come in the other stand so we could sit up there together. Nice. So you hunted there one time. What'd you see from the stand? Any any type of movement? Nada. It was discouraging. Um they had they actually picked the corn really, really early this past year. Um which normally they kind of cross, they run the property however they want when the corn is on. But this past year, I, I believe they picked the corn out there uh, prior to bow season even starting. Wow. So corn was off. I was expecting to see deer cruising the edge of the cornfield, um, at least just to be able to see something, but we did not see anything. Man, that's nuts. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I don't even want to ask, but was this the first deer you saw from the tree stand? Um, technically, technically, yeah, he was with the first group of deer I saw from the tree stand. You son of a bitch! I I just yeah, no <laughs> I wish I just had one season where. You know, I, I take what I get. I'm very blessed to, to be able to hunt the deer that I hunt and, and where I hunt. But, you know, can a guy just ask for type of a, a one-and-done type season, you know, so you're done yeah. in October and maybe you can hit it up another state or you can make your wife happy or something like that? But, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So tell us a little bit about the what what were the weather conditions at, for this for this hunt and what was the uh, – what was the weather like, I guess? What was the wind direction? Did you only hunt this stand on a particular wind direction? Um, I guess a, a wind coming from the east heading towards the west is is the way the wind was, but it's kind of hard to tell what wind direction is best. Um, probably blowing towards the train tracks, which would be coming out of the north is the best, but because of the weather on that night, that's why I was hitting the stand. I didn't necessarily, as long as the wind wasn't blowing straight down in front of me, I wasn't too concerned. But basically, it was a uh, it was a Friday night, and I was getting out of work, and the temperature cold front had just passed through. I think it went from upper 60s to low 50s, like like a snap of your fingers, and uh, it had me all wound up, and I knew I needed to be in the stand, so. I brought my stuff to work with me and I headed straight to the property after, 
after I got off and uh, I was probably in standby about 4:30 and it was it was a little breezy, definitely cool. Um and it just felt good, felt like a good night. So every how long were you in the stand before deer started before that group of deer started moving through? Um a little while. I I think probably a couple of hours. I was actually prior to seeing the deer uh the deer start coming through i i was sitting there thinking man this is a bust again this is too bad because i thought it was going to be a good night i just couldn't believe they weren't moving with that cooler weather um so it, it it was a good little sit prior to any deer coming through okay so take us home with the rest of the story what uh when you first started seeing a little bit movement go ahead and finish the story well so i'm, I'm sitting in the stand kind of looking around bummed out i haven't seen anything yet I see what appears to be, it, it's it's very tree, lots of trees in the bottom, so I'm having a hard time seeing, but I see what looks like a small doe run through some trees, maybe 75 or 80 yards in front of me, kind of angling away from me. And uh, I'm like, oh, cool deer. Too bad they're going away from me. And right after she passes through, I see a buck run through, and I'm like, wow, that looks like a pretty nice buck. And then uh, they kind of, they must have looped back around because it looked like they almost came to the exact same place going the exact same direction. And the doe went by again and the buck went by again. And I got a little bit better look at him this time. I'm going, man, that looks like a really nice buck. And, uh, and the doe kind of got away from him. I saw her loop out and she actually went to the cornfield, which is more over towards my left. And I'm like, man, I, I hope she brings that buck this way he looked like a pretty good one and uh at this point i see what looks like an adult doe and a button buck standing about 40 yards sort of in front of me mostly to my right kind of between me and the train tracks almost um and i'm watching them i'm thinking well this this doe or the little fawn must be starting to smell good and he was chasing her and she must have been the fawn of or along with the other two deer um so basically I'm I'm look watching the fawn to my left, watching if the buck's gonna pop out in the field and I kinda see some tines pop out in front of this tree, which is like forty yards in front of me and he's coming straight to me. And at this point I started to lose it a little bit because <laughs> I was not expecting this at all and he is just looking like a giant. It's like one of the, when you're watching T V and you see a buck pop out that has antlers that look awkwardly massive on its head that's what he looked like coming through the woods so he's coming straight towards me and i'm worried he's going to catch or see this doe that they're the fawn that's still out in the cornfield and head her way and she actually the fawn came running in and she literally did a loop right around the base of my tree and i'm going oh my goodness and at that point my legs started shaking i had to try to keep my composure and uh and I'm standing there, bow in hand, ready, and that buck is is kind of coming by my right side and getting ready to loop behind me. And uh, I'm thinking my best shot's going to kind of be through the crotch of this tree. Well, he comes through, and the way he's coming through, he's almost angling towards me because he's so close. So I decide I'm going to have to get on the other side of this tree. Well, at that point, I'm trying to get my bow around the side of the tree, I scrape my arrow on the bark. It makes a big, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's all over. It's done. He's gone, and he just never even heard it, I guess. Kept walking out, and at that point, he's standing about 20 yards, and I came to full draw, 
and he just stopped perfect. And I let the arrow go, and it went right over his back. <laughs> I'm sorry no, for laughing. No joke. I'm Not sorry for laughing. It's, it's, no, no, no. It's, it's funny now, but at that point, there was some, some terrible words coming out of my mouth. Um, arrow goes right over his back, and it was one of those things. The second I released it, it was like, crap, 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 but what happened? more expletive than that. So, uh, so at that point, I just like thought I ruined it. Well, he took like two big bounds and stopped and turned back. I grabbed another arrow, threw it on the string, drew back, guessed the distance, and let it fly, and I stuck him absolutely perfect. My God, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so a lucky hunt got luckier at that point. I didn't even know. I didn't even know about the miss. Yeah, yeah, I didn't I didn't inform you of that part of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so that happened. I uh I stuck him what looked to be absolutely perfect shot, but like I said, I've I've had a couple bad shots or hit shoulders and had a couple issues and my arrow did not zip all the way through him. I could definitely see some arrow hanging out. Um so I was nervous about it, but at that point I kind of I sat down, tried to take a couple deep breaths, so I didn't fall out of the tree because I was kind of losing it. And I texted everybody that I just shot a monster. I texted my dad, my fiance, and a couple of my hunting buddies, and and uh, my dad said he was on the way, he was gonna meet me there. So I sat there, I sat in the stand for a long time, until um, well after dark. I mean, maybe an hour and a half after dark. Because I saw him take off, but it was just early season. It's so thick, you just can't see very far. So I saw him go into the brush, but I never saw him after that. And uh, so I sat for a long time. I go back to the to where I parked my truck, and my dad was there. And I met up with him, and he's all amped up, ready to go track this thing. And I'm like, chill out, because I wanted to make sure I gave it plenty of time. Um, I knew the hit looked good. I didn't know about penetration. So... Uh, so I wanted to give it plenty of time. So we ended up waiting probably two and a half hours prior to going back in to track the deer. What, um, um, was he, was he, was he quartering away at that point when you shot him and where, where exactly was the arrow hit? The hit, um, was picture perfect heart shot in all honesty, as far as placement goes. I mean, a uh, little lower than your typical lung shot, um, just behind the shoulder blade. Um, he was, I, I ended up ranging it after I took the second shot and it was 33 yards. And I think, (laughs) I think that was sheer luck hitting in that time too, because I think I was so, so jacked up when I took the first shot. I think I just saw pins on the deer and let it, let it fly. And actually after missing that first shot, I was slightly more composed and knew I had to get it done on the second one. So I was able to make that one happen, but but the shot did look good. I just, like I said, I just couldn't tell much arrow. It looked like at least half my arrow went in, but I'm skip, very skeptical unless I get a complete pass through. Right. Now, when you got out of your stand, did you walk over to where you hit him to see if there was blood or did you just head right out of the timber? I did not. I hit the road. I went straight back to the tracks and walked them all the way back to my vehicle. Gotcha. So your dad shows up. He's ready to go. You say, hey, we need to wait a couple hours. What uh, what happened next? Uh, we go back into the woods, 
and uh, and found my first arrow. And obviously, complete miss. I knew I knew I sent that one right over his back. And we uh, we went over to where I had where I'd hit him and uh, started looking and looking and looking and no blood in that immediate area. And I'm like, well, I know he went off this way. And my dad's going, oh, I got blood here. Good blood, good blood. And all of a sudden, it's just like uh, it was like somebody threw red paint all over the whole place. And uh, he was only I can't believe I didn't see him go down. He was only. 40 to 50 yards from where I shot him. Nice. Laying there. I didn't actually, I didn't send you the picture. I thought about it, but I don't think it was something you could post anyways. But it was the most picture perfect heart shot. Like I used Rage Broadheads and it literally was like dead center of the heart, almost cut it completely in half. Nice. I want that picture, by the way. Um, yeah, I'll send that to you. But uh, so you see the buck. Tell me what kind of emotions you had at that point. It was just like, it was overwhelming excitement just because it was bigger than anything I ever anticipated, especially on, on early season. I mean, I wasn't ex expecting anything for that matter. And it was just like, there's, there's just so, so many uh, mistakes and misses and bad hits that led up to that point that it was like, a weight off my chest almost it was just uh i was elated so you walk over to him you touch him for the first time and you pick him up what were you thinking at that point he was just massive i mean body wise even i mean he's got great antlers but it is he is by far the biggest year i've ever seen like i don't think i could have fit my arms around him he was just just absolute gargantuan deer. I didn't put him on a scale. I should have, but uh, but absolute monster. And then the next thing to do was to figure out how the heck to get him out because he died in the middle of a giant briar patch. So. <laughs> so you drug him out, you got him home, or cleaned him, whatever. How old do you think this buck was, your best guess? I I don't know. I should have. I should have uh, asked the taxidermist about um, aging the deer. I didn't, and the teeth are, are gone now, so I have no way to figure that. I I would put him at definitely at least four and a half years old, but I like to think probably older, okay. um, maybe closer to five and a half. I, I have no way to guarantee, but just based off of sheer body size, he was like a, a Brahma bull. He was massive. Right. So what did he end up scoring? Um. <laughs> He uh, grossed 165 and netted 160 and 5.8. Okay. So we'll just say he's 165. A buck's a stud. Yeah, we'll go with that. A buck is a stud. And he's, just, what is he, just a typical uh, a typical 10-pointer? Mainframe 10. He's got an itty-bitty kicker off of, uh, I think it's a G2 on the left side, which isn't actually even an inch, so it doesn't count. So, yeah, just mainframe 10. Gotcha. Well, congratulations, man. That's the stud of a buck. Thank you, sir. I got got very lucky. I was very fortunate. It was actually kind of uh, I wouldn't wouldn't trade that deer <laughs> trade that deer in for anything, but it kind of uh, made for a hard season just because I was done buck hunting so early. Uh, it was like I didn't know what to do with myself because I was always used to waiting to the very last second to try to right. try to get a decent one, but. <laughs> Well, um, because we have some time left, um, and this is also a gear podcast, I'm going to ask you a couple questions about your bow setup. 
What were you right what were you shooting for a bow? I shoot a Matthew Switchback XT that I bought new in 2007, I think that was one. Okay. You like it? I love it. I uh, I actually, prior to that, I was shooting an old PSE Nova. And uh, that thing was <laughs> like, uh, it was almost painful to shoot compared to the, to the Matthews. I ended up shooting the Matthews Switchback at a... Uh, at some sort of outdoor show and absolutely fell in love with it. And I saved forever to buy it. And, uh, and I love it. I've killed every deer that I've killed with the bow has been with that bow. So nice. Nice. What's your arrow setup? You mentioned you shoot, uh, rage broadheads. What, what do you have for, uh, arrows? Um, I shoot, uh, Easton full metal jackets. Um, and I really like those. I've shot them for probably three years now. Yeah. Um, just am- amazing penetration with a small diameter heavy arrow. So they're they're a great arrow, and I have no complaints. Um, it did actually, uh, my arrow did break on that deer, but that was that was just because it only went halfway through. So right. I've broken a couple, but they've they've performed great so far for me. What about your uh, sight and rest? Um. I believe I have a trophy ridge. I just, as far as the site goes, I have a trophy, trophy ridge five pin. Um, I'm not exactly certain on the uh, model. I'm trying to grab my bow here and take a look at it. Um, it's a trophy ridge five pin. I don't know the model, but it's been really good. Um, I have no complaints about that. I have contemplated going to a uh, an adjustable single pin, just because I've heard a lot of good things about those. Um, but, but this site's been good to me. I haven't, I've, ever since I sighted it in, I've bumped it, thrown it around, never knocked it off yet. So, so it's been decent. And as far as, uh, rest goes, I just have a, uh, QAD drop away. Okay. So that setup, uh, killed you your big, is that the biggest deer you've ever killed? I take it. Oh yeah, by far. I, uh, I shot an eight point last year that went about 110 inches and that was my, biggest deer up until this point so nice well i have a feeling you're already looking forward to uh this 2016 uh season uh do you i mean do you have any other deer that you're chasing or is it just kind of a start from scratch uh year for you um it's hard telling uh i have i have one out in my sort of in my backyard actually um that's a pretty nice eight he looked probably like a 100 25 inch eight point last year i think he'll as a three i think he's a three and a half year old i think he's gonna blow into a monster four-year-old this year but but uh it's very pressured property there's trespassers and four-wheelers and kids running around with crossbows and all kinds of crazy stuff so (laughs) the chances of seeing him probably aren't real good but um the metro park property that we had i did see a couple nice bucks there and uh, I'm hoping to be able to get the same property again and uh, and possibly get one of those guys. I saw two different three-and-a-half-year-olds there that were probably in the 130s. That should be really nice to do next year. Okay. Well, my man, you have uh, – let me be the first to wish you good luck in this uh, upcoming season, and uh, congratulations on this, Buck. Thank you, Dan. You as well. And there you have it, another podcast in the books. Hopefully you guys enjoyed Nick's story. 
And um, that's about it. Nothing too crazy today, except I had the pleasure of talking with Randy Newberg. And if you don't know who Randy Newberg is, you're going to learn a whole bunch more about him this Friday. I am launching my Hunter Profile podcast with Randy Newberg, and he is going to talk about from the very moment he started in the outdoors to where he's at today and uh, a couple cool stories along the way. And you also get a little bit of insight of where he comes from, what he does, and uh, a little journey from his youth in Minnesota to Montana, where he now is called, where he now calls home. So uh, that I I know I enjoyed just listening to the guy talk. He is uh, a huge advocate for uh, for hunting and public lands and all that stuff. So make sure you guys tune in on Friday of this week and uh, listen to the Randy Newberg podcast. So I I say it all the time: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, iTunes. All that stuff. Make sure you guys are following me. Click click here, click there, blah, blah, blah. And always remember to wear your damn safety line.